SMQBs. This is episode 67. We were sorely missing our stack guy, Brian Pope, tonight, but we still got through some good stuff. First, starting off deciding that there's really just two kinds of people in the world. You either saw Top Gun this weekend or you didn't, and that's going to stick with you the rest of your life. Uh, we are two and two on the show tonight. We covered the NBA playoffs, Champions League, Chaos, Formula One, the Revenge of Checo, a little French Open update, and then we screwed up all sorts of stats on that because we really don't know anything about tennis. And, of course, we finished off with a punchable face of the week and a very important lasso. Uh, check us out. Leave us a five-star review. Thank you for listening. Have fun. SMQBs. This is episode 67. Everybody's so happy to be stuck in the 60s right now with these numbers. Oh. But we've got a good one, Milk. This one's, uh, I think this is a good one. Mm. We have a, and somebody on here should get this, by the way, two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time first team All-Pro in 75 and 78, <sighs> second team All-Pro in 77, six-time Pro Bowler. He's in the Dolphins honor roll, but that's not why someone on here should know who this is. He was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles as a fourth-round pick in the 69 NFL draft. Kuchin, Kuchin whatever. Kuchinberg. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. What? That how the hell is that? I was going to say Kuchinheimer. Search that. Bob Kuchinberg. That's my wheelhouse, man, the 70s. Dude, listen, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, Milk, and Rooster is a cheating. There's we no, no way, no way, no way. There's It's either Larry Little or, or Kuchin, whatever. I can't take any more obscure football players <laughs> in the 70s anymore. How do we, I mean, this is awful. Listen, we just got to keep making podcasts and get through this. I was going to force myself not to get not to guess correctly on this one, just so you guys would stop accusing me of cheating. Well, but when you go to the up. seventy-two Dolphins, but, it's like no, it's hard to miss. Listen, um, aside from those who cheat and don't, you know, Milk, I think you'd probably agree with me. There's really two kinds of people in this world right now. There are people who saw Top Gun Maverick the opening weekend. <laughs> And those who didn't. And I feel like there's some disinterested guys on this podcast. It's really I mean, I'm going, I'm going tomorrow night with my two sons. I, I'm interested. I want to wait till when the movie theater is empty so I can scream out loud. I well oh, okay. Okay. I don't know, milk. I don't know. I want to bring something up, and I think it's our our listeners should should know this. But over the weekend, Rooster made a comment on text that. Is is close to destroying our friendship. <laughs> he claims that the original Top Gun, which of course Nace, as we know, is a ten out of ten. Well, that's a hundred easily. Right? I don't even know if you have to answer that. Right? I think the word he used was mediocre. Oh boy, mediocre. Oh, I went into a slight seizure when I saw that. <laughs> When's the last time you watched it? Like every other day, uh, we watched it. We watched it Friday Friday night when we came home from seeing Maverick. 
Right. Oh my He's god. Fired it up and watched it start to finish. You can't possibly think Top Gun's mediocre. I... Oh my god. It's just I don't even know. I don't know. Well, listen. It was a good world... movie, but it was it was shallow. God. Lines have been delineated again. And I hear Maverick is a lot better. As you as you wake up this Tuesday after Memorial Day 2022, know what camp you fall in. You're either with the terrorists or against them. That's right. That's right. That's it. That I hear it. I hear the I hear the uh the guy with the best tagline in in Maverick Rooster. That's right. Steal, steals the show. That's right. <laughs> well, I did think, of, I did think you about know. that. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. You uh, hopefully I'm, I'm you were telling you, I'm looking the, forward to seeing it Wednesday, tomorrow. Hopefully you're home watching NBA playoffs. Rooster, what, right. what's going on? What's going on in the NBA this week? I mean, the playoffs, they're still fucking going on. So Yeah, yeah, man. The, I'll tell you, it sure, it sure looked like this, the Celtics were going to figure out a way to choke it away. They led wire to wire in that game. <clears throat> game seven against the Heat. They were up 15, and with three minutes left, they were up 13. And, um, you know, Marcus Smart missed something like five shots in a row, and the Heat just poured it on and wouldn't say die. Jimmy Butler had hit that three. They win that game. So, um, you know, hats off to the Heat, man. They, they were, I think, outgunned by the Celtics. Celtics have more talent. But, man, those people would not give up. They were, they're, they're a tough team. You have to respect them other than Udonis Haslam who keeps running his mouth. Oh even though he hasn't stepped on the court in five years. Um, <laughs> Gators. So, I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the oh, maybe over-arrested Warriors respond. Everyone's saying, oh, it's the Warriors offense against the Celtics defense. But uh, Warriors have a pretty good defense themselves. And um, I, th- I just think the – it's going to be a tight, tight match. It's going to be really an excellent series. No one's going to sweep, I don't think. And uh, if you ask me, I think the key to the game might be Andrew Wiggins because the Celtics have a superior switching defense and can pretty much, I think, keep Steph Curry in check. And I'm still not convinced um, that Clay is all the way back. And so between Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, they're going to keep those guys in check, I think. Um, but if you remember from the Heat uh, Celtics series, the most success the Heat had was Jimmy Buckets driving down the lane and scoring. The Celtics are too busy switching to to clog the middle like that. And I think Andrew Wiggins is unstoppable if he's only got one guy in front of him. And he may be the star of the series. We'll see. Well, I'll say this, that, um, you know, first of all, the I'm interested to see what the over-under on total technical fouls is between Draymond Green and Marcus Smart. Yeah. This yeah. is going to be a competition of the hotheads. Um, hopefully they keep it in check. But it's interesting. I, I agree with you about Wiggins. I think another kind of off-the-radar player to keep an eye out for in this series is actually Kevin Looney on Golden State because I think controlling the boards is going to be critical and Looney's become a pretty elite rebounder and Boston is not a sharp shooting team. Their field goal percentages, it's not like they shoot the lights out from three or even the field. 
And so Boston's ability to get offensive rebounds versus Golden State's ability to swipe defense rebounds, go on transition. Um, this is, you know, for all that we've said about Golden State ruining basketball with basically three points or three point shots or bust for these playoffs, they've shifted and they have a very diverse game. It's not just Clay or Steph from beyond the perimeter. It's like you said, it's Wiggins, it's Looney. Um, you know, they've, they've got, they've got a really deep bench, which I think will Otto serve Porter. them well. And po- Otto Porter has just, you may not, you know, who's, who's he going to take minutes away from? Right. I, I mean, that's how deep they are. I mean, Jordan right. Poole may have a hard time getting all of his minutes right now. So I think the depth of their bench. Um, I know, Rooster, you've been singing the praises from a long, long time, not just the postseason on Ime Adoka. And uh, this is going to be also, you know, we said we want to see Spo versus Kerr with a great coaching matchup. But it's, you know, even though he's a rookie, Udoka's he's not like uh, some kind of poor shakes there. He's pretty good coach. The Celtics are two teams, the team that listens to Adoka and the team that reverts back to ISO ball. I'm the greatest guy on the planet. I'm just going to drive to the hoop and go one on four. And, and Jalen Brown doesn't have the hand size to pull that off. He loses the ball and Tatum just gets carried away. Well, you, you notice when Tatum starts to do that and then pulls up and passes the ball, the guy's wide open for an easy layup or a wide open three, and he's gotten better at that. So when they listen to Odoka, they they do well, but they got away from his movement offense and got into iso ball a lot during that series with the Heat. You know, speaking of annoying Heat players, do you guys think that Kyle Lowry needs to go away with this flopping? Terrible. There needs to be a Kyle Lowry <laughs> anti-flopping rule in the offseason. Terrible. He's, he's a disgrace. This this series could get a little chippy, don't you think? I think Smart is gonna really is really gonna get in uh, um, Steph's face and and just try and really get him off his game somehow. And Draymond doesn't like that. I mean, yeah. this this has potential to get kind of uh, chippy right from the get go. I think. Yeah. And how about old man Al Horford? Speaking of Gators, Mel so annoying. The guy has had a. <laughs> <laughs> run us a, a re, total revival of his career this season. So annoying. Thank, thank God wanna, uh, there's a couple of Gators playing. A shot. Thank God there's a couple Gators playing. Otherwise, Milk would have no no reason to be here right now, <laughs> right? right? No. What do you think of this series, Milk? Come on. What do you got? I, I actually might watch this one. I'm kind of excited. I like the I like the East Coast West Coast battle. I I don't know. I'm, and the Celtics are in it, right? Yeah, they're they're in the Lakers. The only team I really know. <laughs> what what's everybody's uh, what's I want predictions. Thing? Yeah. Well, well I, I'll, I, say that, I'll say that when this playoff got when this playoff started before a game was played, I said on this pod regrettably that the Celtics were the team to beat. Uh, they were just playing perfect team basketball. I predicted they would go to the finals and probably win. And against my better interests and judgment, because I can't stand them, I think the Celtics are going to shock the world. And mm. I think the Celtics are going to pull this off. Wow. Really another banner. They're going to pull it off in six or seven games. And I think they're going to play gritty basketball to Bison's Point, get in Golden State's head. And it makes me want to vomit and shower after I say this, but I think the Celtics are going to be world champions. Wow. Well, I, I jokingly said that that Golden State would win this 4-0, and, and uh, 
I don't actually think that's what's going to happen. I was just trying to get under Rooster's skin a little bit there. <laughs> but, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, listen, Golden State, they're back to playing that fun, fast, move the ball, yeah. all the extra passes. Um, I think they win in six. But for the reasons you just said, if the Celtics, you know, just play them, you know, in their face and and get in their heads a little bit and play that tough defense, I could see the Celtics taking it. But but I'll take Golden State in six. That's where I was yesterday, and I, I've flip flopped since then, and now I think it's uh, Celtics in seven. Wow, Milk, you want to give your completely um, unknown opinion about anything? Um, Uninformed opinion. I mean, <laughs> to be is, fair, that's is, most of your most of your opinions are uninformed. But, is, but let's give one. Yeah, let's be honest there. This is kind of like my wife picking my March Madness pool based on colors. So <laughs> I'm gonna go with Golden State. I like that guy. What's that guy that makes all the three pointers? Steph Curry. Curry. <laughs> yeah, I like him. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. It's probably the is he's probably the best choice of all four right there. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, uh style of play, whatever style of play dominates, I think is is who wins, which is maybe sort of obvious, but I just think they're so competing. They're such different styles that it'll be interesting. You know, I, I think it, one last thing is that it's always interesting in any any of the major sports, but particularly in basketball to see the evolution of a player go to the point where he can completely put a team on his back. And it's pretty remarkable, remarkable to see what Jason Tatum has done. He's now completed the circle as a centerpiece, a top 10 player in the NBA. And the Celtics will go as far as Tatum goes offensively. But, but could you imagine Michael Jordan allowing Marcus smart to take the last five shots in the game? Uh, You know, he needs to get to that point where he's just like, I got this. Even if they're doubling me and trapping me, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna score this bucket for us because Marcus Smart is not a good shooter. Right. Well, let's. Uh, it'll be fun to watch. We'll of course keep you updated over the next seven weeks while the NBA playoffs uh, finish up here. But uh, let's stick with dribbling and go to soccer. A just crushing, devastating week for me personally. I don't know how to handle it. House, you're gonna have to. I think you were spending that this. money before it hit the it hit the till. What I, I thought you 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 came you clean last week. You don't like soccer. I know this is, there's a little sarcasm. I know that this is an American <laughs> podcast filled with you Philistines who don't even understand the beautiful game of soccer. Um, and Bison randomly got assigned Liverpool a few years ago and could have stood to win hundred bucks from each of us had they won the Champions final, but. I am pissed about that. <laughs> you were mad about that. For those of our fans who are enjoying counting it, who are enjoying the renaissance of sports, um, this is this is the Super Bowl, and in fact, I'm I'm certain that more people watch the Champions League final than the U.S. American football. Four hundred million, as reported by the New York Times. Yes. yes. Wow. So, I mean, this is the biggest game in the world, um, and it pits the top of the top. Um, whoever survives and advances to the final single game of the very best uh, teams in the world, and this year 
It was perennial dynasty Real Madrid from La Liga of Spain to the also ran second place runner up, a Liverpool who's been pretty dominant in Champions League themselves. And I think a lot of people thought that um, Liverpool was going to win this because on paper, they probably had more star power with Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, um, a terrific uh, goalkeeper, terrific defenders and Virgil van Dijk and uh, Trent um, Alexander Arnold. I mean, they, they are a fantastic, fantastic team, but the moxie of this Real Madrid team, whose sole purpose seems to be to get to champions and win it. I don't think people understand they have won the last seven champions league finals that they have played in. They've won 14 overall. They have not lost a champions league finals since the 1980s. Wow. And, uh, there was a very controversial controversial goal um, that Kareem Benzema scored in the first half that was called back for offsides and required a lot of explanation. And fortunately, that wasn't the deciding factor in the game because in the second half in the 59th minute, uh, Vinicius Jr. Vinny uh, scored on a beautiful crossing for the one nothing decider, and that's how the game ended. But the real reason that Real Madrid won that game was a record-setting performance by its goalie. Oh. Yeah, Thibaut Courtois. Courtois set a record with nine actual saves. There were 24 shots that were relatively on goal, but he had to save nine of them. That's the most that's ever happened in a Champions League final. And some of them were spectacular saves. And the one he saved against Salah with his inner thigh right there in the corner of the goal, it's unbelievable. His decision making, you know, a lot of a lot of people don't realize that the goalie's not just about making a save, it's directing your defense, it's screaming out, you know, get out of my way, screens, directing players where people are coming from. Courtois was the field general of that game. He's the reason they're Champions League uh champions and uh deservedly the man of the match. The story, however, unfortunately, of Real Madrid being champions has been overshadowed. And surely you guys know of the official organization called the National Division of the Fight Against Hooliganism? Of course. Yes. Of course, it's, yes. It's literally the DNA. I've run afoul of them a couple of times myself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Rooster was a member in the 70s. If you guys saw this, you probably saw that the game was delayed by about 20, 30 minutes. Mm as there were riots outside, people scaling the fence, uh, fans not being able to, to, to get let in. And now there we are in the next version of the English-French war because the French authorities who are coming under fire for not controlling the situation pregame are blaming Liverpool and its fans for fake tickets and hooliganism and saying – that there were thousands of fake tickets and Liverpool deliberately got into the game and Liverpool is demanding an apology from France. And this is going on and on to this day, right today, there's all this controversy as whose blame it is for this pandemonium that happened outside. And it's kind of comical. I mean, I, I don't think we really see that kind of thing in American sports, but o only in Europe. It's, it's, oh, it's kind gone of comical. totally international. The, the Parisian mayor is on the side of Liverpool. She said it's 
it was shameful to pin the blame on the fans and that the aggressive, blatantly hostile actions of the police tear gassing the crowd was just unacceptable. And then, of course, um, Marie Le Pen jumped in and blamed it on Macron yes. and <laughs> want, demanded an answer from Macron. And, uh, and, and Boris Johnson is appalled on behalf of all the Liverpool fans. So it is, it's a totally an international situation. When you have 400 million people watching a game, that kind of thing is actually a big story. Yeah. Fans being shut out of the biggest game in the world. And there were about a hundred. See, what the story I'm reading is there were about a hundred kids who tried to scale the fences. And in response, the authorities tear gassed the entire crowd yeah. waiting peacefully to get into the stadium which really, of course, pissed everybody off and made them all agitated. One thing that seems to be pretty much without dispute is that at some point, the French authorities reduced thousands and thousands of fans to a single gate that they yeah. could come through. No, yeah. so that's yeah. really yeah. I mean, yeah, that's just on. dumb. I mean, it's just dumb. In the, in, the, in the meantime, there's an actual war going on in Europe. And this is what the, the leaders are fighting. <laughs> well, over. the ironic thing okay. is they were supposed to be honoring the Ukrainians, I think, right before the match. So the 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 English and the French are due for a war. It's been a couple hundred years, right? I think the reason the French are so bent out of shape and looking for a scapegoat is because they're worried about the Olympics. Oh, you know, it's 2024 Olympics in Paris. You can't. This is the third Champions uh, League final they've hosted at the stadium, and it's the first time they've had any problems. And so now everyone's saying, "Wow, I wonder, wonder if they're up to the task." Mm. That's interesting. Mm. Interesting drama. Well, as we wrap up, if the uh, if a tree falls in the woods, no one's there to hear it. Segment <laughs> of the podcast. Anything <laughs> else on soccer, guys? Wow. I'm glad you woke up just in time, Mace. Wow. Oh, 400, is 400 million insignificant potential listeners. Oh, man. <laughs> How many of that 400 million, I'm serious, were in the United States? I'm interested to know that. Do you know? That's a great question. I, I'm, I'm going to guess about four or five million. Yeah. This is why we need a stat guy. We need where's sponsors. Pope? Where's, need, Pope? Where's, Pope? Where Pope? where is Pope? Where is Pope? Pope. I bet you're right. Taylor made for you. I'm Guys, I've done some research on this. He's he's in a Caribbean some island somewhere. I'm guessing. <laughs> oh, Pope, we miss you. Pope, you can uh, still call right. in, buddy. Anything else? Anything else on soccer? That's it. That's all you can take. All right, <laughs> well, we got to give a little bit of it. <laughs> yes, it is. We got to give a little uh, F1 update um, this week, and and really, I think this is the uh, the Checo Perez revenge episode uh and it's the reason it's, it's important to talk about this week is last week we had a discussion about you know team orders in f1 checo was asked to pull over and let his teammate verstappen go by him uh at the uh, i guess it was the spanish was it the spanish grand prix last week i can't remember I so. yeah i think so and he was asked to pull over let Verstappen go by. There's a lot of discussion about the propriety of that in sports and if it's sporting and teams and, and all that. And we had a great conversation. We'll fast forward to this week and we have the, the 2022 Monaco Grand Prix that was 
really an interesting race, even though the the action on the track, it was strange, right? It was a really strange race. First, um, they didn't start the race on time because it started to sort of drizzle and there was a little bit of, there was rain coming and the drivers were all ready to go, but they didn't start it. And it just got very confusing. I don't, the drivers were in the cars. I think they anticipated a start on time. They didn't get it. You know, at one point Verstappen said, what are we sitting here waiting for? It's not even raining. Let's go. And they didn't go. And then the rain did come and it poured. And the, the, the track was just, the circuit was just flooded in a lot of places. So then they brought the cars back into the pits. I mean, you had guys running. They were, they were, and part of this, as I understand is because the track there is sort of, you know, it's not the best. It's an actual true city track. And so, where the pit is and where the start is, it's not the most convenient thing. You literally had guys pushing wheel, you know, wheel trolleys out so they could put the wet tires on. And, and then they did a lap or so, and it was, you know, just so flooded that they, I think they stopped the race again. It was just a mess. The whole thing was a mess. Um, they started the clock because the FIA rules say you have three hours to complete what is it? Three hours from when you start the clock and like two hours of racing or something, right? It's it's like two hours of racing. So they start the clock. And then of course there, there's a red flag because, you know, you can always count on Mick Schumacher to, to destroy a car. Uh, and boy, you really did. I mean, the way these guys get up and walk out of these cars, it's right. just unbelievable. After this record. I mean, his car is split in half. So when a red I first saw that car split in half, I thought the two Oscars had crashed into each other, <laughs> which would have been, you know, what, what I was talking about last week about how dumb they are. Well, I mean, the the Haas is so bad that Magnussen had already retired from the race and nobody realized it because they just figured he wasn't. Nobody saw him on the track and didn't think anything of it. Anyway, it comes down to a to the shot clock basically, right? Because instead of the number of laps, now you have a clock ticking down. And the whole time, Checo, you know, he's leading. I'm going to ask maybe House to explain how that happened because there's a lot of drama around that. But he ends up winning, and it just was really one of those great stories where he was such a good teammate last week. He was obviously frustrated. He, he made a comment on the radio that you could tell he was frustrated, but then after in front of the cameras, he said all the right things about being a good teammate. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say that, Winning Monaco, if you can't be the world champion, winning Monaco is the second best thing in a season just because of the history around it. It's a, The cars are so big now, it's really a tough track to pass on. And so I'm not sure, you know, it's, I'm not sure if that's, if it's, you know, it's not the fastest race on the schedule every year, but uh, good for him winning it. House, do you want to maybe talk a little bit about the strategy decision that led uh, poor uh, Charles Leclerc to, to finish fourth? Yeah, but, but, before I do that, Bison, to your point, really fascinating about Monaco. I just learned that Monaco is actually not re-signed yet to right. remain on the circuit. Yeah. And, what? and yeah, they, they're not they pay, they pay like 15 million and everyone else is paying 60 million. But that's like classic. That, and to 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 Bison's point about the track, like kind of if you win qualifying and the weather is good. If you're on pole, there's no opportunity for passage. Like the FIA wants to bring a little bit more 
race attraction. Now that you've got all these people watching on television, not just going, you know, before it was like, well, whoever shows up to the live events, that's what F1's fans were, except for in Europe. But now they have a worldwide audience. And Monaco is a little bit boring other than seeing the beauty in the Ritz. So the FIA, I think, is making some demands beyond money. Mm. And that'll be interesting to see if Monaco remains on the circuit. But what had happened was that the Ferrari car this year seems to be racing faster. And so you had Charles Leclerc on the pole with Carlos Sainz right next to him. And then you had the two Red Bull cars behind with uh, Checo Perez, the eventual winner, and Max Verstappen, who's leading the points in fourth. And as the weather came in, when they when it's really, really bad, they can go on tires that are called wet tires. They have the best grip. And as it starts to dry up, there is another tire called inters or intermediate tires, as opposed to dry tires, which can be soft, medium, or hard. And so there's the strategy decision to go on to the inters. And what had happened at that point in the race was Leclerc was leading. Checo had made his way to pass Carlos Sainz and gotten a second. And a decision, a strategy call had to be made whether to bring both cars in, into the pit lane at the same time called double stacking, or just take them one at a time. And Ferrari decided that they were going to double stack. And that as a result, put Leclerc ultimately behind Perez. And I don't, for those who watch, I mean, Leclerc was screaming. He wanted to stay out. And I think had he stayed out, he probably would have benefited from a later yellow flag or red flag. He would have been able to make a tire change. It was a bad strategy decision. And that's what lost him the race. Mm -hmm. Well, that not only that though, he, he, he wanted to stay out and they were calling him in and he was frustrated with that. And then the guy, the, the Ferrari, you know, his engineer, whoever says, stay out, stay out. And he's already halfway in the pit lane at that point. And so, you know, they, they just didn't know what they were doing, right? They, they just, Ferrari screwed up the strategy. What is interesting, it's a little bit of the, uh, you know, the, the revenge of the analytics guys, right? To show you how particular they are, they were getting the real-time data and they knew that, you know, they, they wanted, Ferrari wanted to stay on the wets, until it was time to go to the to the slicks, right? And just ignore the inters all, you know, all they could. But but they figured out that the timing wasn't working out. They were going to screw themselves. So then they were too late making the switch. And then they and then they screwed up the double stack as it was. It was a total mess by Ferrari. You guys mind if I read a couple of text messages concerning this race? Oh sure. wait. So we we have on the SMQ mute rooster. Yeah, we, the SMQBs have a uh, snake draft where we pick drivers. Oh, here we go. And, and yeah. bet on the outcomes of these races. And I had to have the third pick before this race. And, you know, these guys, the pole position was Leclerc, Sainz, Perez, Verstappen. So with the third pick, I picked Perez. And here are the texts I got from my <laughs> wise pals. Milk, how do you take Perez over Verstappen? We just talked about this on the pod. House, how? Ow. Bison, especially especially when he crashed today. House again, how? Well, hold on, you know, wait a minute. You're leaving one out. My man won. 
You're leaving the text out where you say you're second guessing yourself. I said, damn it, now I'm second guessing right. myself. There you yeah. go. <laughs> uh, but I, I want to know. I, wanna, I want you to tell the truth. I want to know the truth. You forgot Verstappen was available. No, 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 absolutely day. not. I was flipping a coin about, <laughs> pretty much at that point. Oh, you and, don't. And, and, I got, and I did get up early and watch the practice, and, and it looked like Perez was better than Verstappen on that track. Was that the first race he lost where he finished it? Yes. yes. First time but Verstappen I, finished a race and didn't win it this year. Speaking of text chain, I want to ask you guys to follow up on something that came up this morning about this. Do you guys really think Red Bull is going to give? So a Bison said today that Checo is actually only 15 points out of the lead for the world championship driver. And you mm-hmm. get 25 points if you win a race. And he's clearly an incredible driver with an incredible car. And it would be interesting if they really competed how Checo would do against Verstappen. Do you guys really think Red Bull is going to let Checo compete with their <laughs> Defending champion. Well, what? Why? Why, why not? What, why, what's, not? why are they trying to favor? Are they trying to favor the, uh, brand, the driver have, over their brand? Like, why favor Verstappen? I understand favoring Verstappen when the when the points make sense, right? But now that Checo's in 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 uh, striking distance, it doesn't make sense. Whoever wins wins. Well, if if you believe that at the end of twenty three races. Verstappen is going to be the guy who's going to have the better chance to hold off Leclerc, for instance, with Ferrari. Then you want him to get as many points as possible every single race weekend, even right, even at the expense of your teammate. But if the race is shaping up, and, and look, Ferrari looks like they have a great car, but they have not really been able to put it together. I mean, the, the races that they won this year were when Red Bull went out. And it does, yeah. when Red Bull, when they can keep that car on the track, uh, they're not losing. So at some point, you know, don't you say our, really the competition is ourselves? And, I mean, that would be really fun. If that you would be pretty cool. Yeah. Verstappen and Radio were driving against each other. To me, it all depends on Leclerc's pole position. If he's first, then they're going to favor Verstappen. But if Leclerc... You know, if they, if they screw him over like they did in the last race and he's in fourth position, then I think they let Perez and Verstappen race it out. I just want to tell our listeners who have extra time on their hands on Father's Day that their next best chance to go see a race in person will be in Montreal. And you can still get tickets to Montreal for a little under a thousand bucks to go up to Montreal and see some live F1 racing. So. Have a happy Father's Day and watch some F1 yeah. in Montreal. Paul Miller, pay attention. Are you Head are right you over. making any are you making any family requests? Yeah, uh, I made house? I made the request yesterday. We'll see how my love. Oh wow! Oh wow! All right, all right. Anything else on F1? It should be fun. It's it's a fun season right now. Even even when the race, you know, it, it was pretty cool to watch. At one point, you had. Like Ferrari, Ferrari, Red Bull, Red Bull. And they were all, I mean, it looked like they were inches away from each other. And then it was Red Bull, Ferrari, Red Bull, Ferrari. And they looked like they were inches away from each other as the clock was ticking down. It was, it was pretty cool to watch that race. By the way, so, uh, I hope they never get rid of Monaco. How cool is that? That whole scene, the show. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Think about our sports and we like have Philadelphia and then you have like Monaco. I mean, it's night and day. What? 
<laughs> what just happened there? <laughs> what Philadelphia and Monica. Okay. Hey, whatever. We need to whatever. we need to attend that race someday. I'm right, totally let's, uh, let's do a um, a real quick mailbag here on the French Open. We have a mailbag. Our, French we Open. do. Hold on. Let's get there. <laughs> Uh, okay. Do we have a correspondent at the French uh, Open? Tennis is okay, yeah. but soccer is not. Uh, here we go. Hey, sports fans. Roving sports reporter Elgato here. A thrilling day at Roland Garros. Tsitsipas upset. Schweitek comes back, keeps her amazing streak alive. But the whole tennis world is waiting for Nadal Djokovic tomorrow night. Could be the last time these two guys play in this big a tournament with this much at stake. Nadal, 21 Grand Slam wins, all-time great, all-time leader. Djokovic chasing him, just one behind. Everybody should watch it. It's like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson going at it one more time. Have fun. Wow. All right. What do you think? We've got reporters everywhere. Jose Luzaraga has really become our feature uh, editor on the road. How about the hat, too? How about the hat? That hat is amazing. Yeah, looking very French, very French for El Gato. <laughs> so. uh, anybody interested in tennis? No, not at all. No. I wish Pope were here because Pope would Pope would Pope loves his men's tennis and loves that whole battle between, uh, as Pope likes to say, Rafa and the Joker. Are they literally playing <laughs> yeah. this week? Yeah, they're playing the quarters. They're playing. Okay. That's actually going to be a pretty sweet match. Yeah, it will be. I'll watch that. That is a big match. And um, I saw that today. I think it happened today. Who can tell with the time change and everything? But uh, Coco Goff, the the, uh, women's player, U.S. women's player, is the first women's player to reach uh, the semis of a major in like forever or something. So um, go Coco. For the U.S. or what? For the U.S. Yeah. U.S. woman. Yeah. 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 What happened? What, what, what about like Serena Williams? I yeah, don't how's... know. I think it's been a while. Been there. For what? Just... No, she's been there in the last few years. Yeah, I don't know. I saw some crazy stats. Oh, God, we need Pope. Where is Pope? God, we do need she Pope. Could, Pope. She could play left-handed and beat most Serena of Serena Williams was in a final like a year ago. <laughs> well, maybe she's the newest one or something. God, I don't fucking know. Bison is such. Stop making up facts, Bison. He's such Listen, an enigma the on the line sports is, that he cares for. <laughs> she's in, she's there. She's in the semis. Okay, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're now in the third All set. Right. That was the most interesting part of the tennis uh, segment, right? Yeah, there. they're they're now in the third set, and they've each won one set so far. Nadal and Djokovic. This is Djokovic. Let's see what so happens. So that's happening right now. So that'll right be now. over by the time the pod's posted. Is okay. it at like eleven o'clock over there? Yeah, yeah, late. probably late. 10.45. Um, Milk, you got anything on hockey? By the way, is this where we are with hockey? That it's after soccer, F1, and <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, when, well, when Tampa's the, involved, the, when Tampa's involved, we're down to the final week of it. Final four here. By the way, we got another month to go, by the way, so don't get excited. Right. Uh, down to the final four. Conference finals, by the way, Eastern Conference is the Lightning versus Roosters Rangers. <laughs> it might be 
the luckiest team um, in professional sports right now because they have literally in their first two rounds of not going up against us. They did not go against a starting goalie against Pittsburgh. I think they went up against a third string. And then last night, Carolina loses their goalie in a critical game seven. And that new guy that came in, that third string got peppered. Um, they have literally been, I don't know if they are lucky or they're just what's happening. They're the right time, you know, right scores at the right time, but they've been outshot. They've been out attempted on, and it's like not even close. Um, but now they've got to go up against a real uh, goaltender and, and Vasilevsky. I, I like, um, I, I think that, you know, they've been very, you know, very tough. Uh, Jacob Truba, who's the guy that took out Mason Crosby? Was it Truba? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but Sydney, Sydney, who took out who? Truba? Took out- Oh, Sidney Crosby. Sydney Crosby. Crosby in the Pittsburgh series. Yeah, they were down 3-1. They came back. Um, but it, they're going to have some issues with Tampa's size, you know, with, with Hedman, uh, Kucherov. Uh, they're great in power plays, but they are awful in 5-on-5, five five, the Rangers are. One of the worst in, in the NHL and in the playoffs. Now, that might be to their advantage because – the lightning love to be in the penalty box. I mean, we probably get penalized more than any other team. So that might be their advantage, but if you go head to head on five on five, it's just Tampa's depth and goaltending is going to be, I just don't think that I think their luck is, is run out. Uh, as long as Vasilevsky stays hurt or stays healthy, I can see lightning and uh, lightning and six here. Rooster, what do you think on, on, on the Rangers? your team i i agree it's not my team uh i'm just i'm just happy for them um i was i grew up a a islanders fan and and have become a transplanted uh, caps fan until they turned russian on me um (laughs) but uh i think the rangers like i agree with you i think they're lucky they they drew the third string goalie for the pens and the second string goalie for the uh, hurricanes. So they're coming up against the best goalie now. So, you know, let's see how they do. I will tell you this, this is a Pope stat for you. We played them three times this year, lost it each time the lightning did. So I don't know. We'll see. Well, do you remember last year when you had that heated series against the Islanders oh, yeah. and, and you were worried about Barzal? Yes. Okay. Well, if you've not, familiarize yourself with the Rangers number 93, Mika Zabinajad. He's just, I'm telling you, he's going to be a headache for you. He's an elite scorer. And a lot of people don't know him outside of Paul Miller's neighborhood, but he is, he's an elite scorer. That's going to give you guys headaches. If you don't shut him down, they're going to give you fits. I, but they don't have a lot of depth. No, that's their problem. And if you go down, I mean, you can go down Tampa's lineup, Cooch, Hedman, Colton, Nick Paul, who's come in lately and is playing just lights out. That doesn't even include Stamkos and obviously Vasilevsky. It's going to be, I just think their, I think their luck has run out. Um, So 
I don't know. We'll see. Does, starts, starts tomorrow. Does any of it matter though? Because isn't this a little destiny for the Oilers at this point? I mean, they've got the best player on the planet right now who's having just a ridiculous postseason. Do you say postseason hockey playoffs? Yeah. Um, and I mean, I don't know. Doesn't it? Doesn't it just feel like Edmonton's going to win this thing? Really? Over yeah. Colorado? Mike Smith's I, hot again. Are you just skipping over the Avalanche like they they're not a real opponent? I, I think, just think there's a little magic in Edmonton right now. Yeah, but they're luck. They're they're kind of like the Rangers. They're top heavy with McDavid and um, Drysdale. Drysdale, yeah, Drysdale. The Avalanche are loaded, man, depth wise, and freaking Mike Smith was literally one of the worst goalies in the NHL and suddenly has become this like superstar. Now I agree with going with the hot hand, but I feel like he's going to get peppered against this team. And if he plays like he did most of the year, I could see this being four. I mean, it could be a sweep, maybe, maybe five, five games. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Game one. Avalanche, by the way, Paul Miller's predicted Stanley Cup champions from two, when he did his uh, NHL preview in 2021. Yep, and he had a, he had them beating the Islanders. That's right. He the the Nathan that. McKinnon versus Connor McDavid matchup is must see TV if you like hockey. That should be some really really good stardom in the West. Maybe and we'll it, let Paul Miller uh, guest in during the Stanley Cup Finals when it comes up. Or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> They've got one of the best defensive players in the NHL. Uh, Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, McCarr. Okay. So. Well, good stuff. Uh, like I said, another four weeks of the NHL. Yeah. So we'll hope to get <laughs> we'll, we'll hope keep... to get that Stanley Cup back to Tampa by the fourth of July. Milk, <laughs> if 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 you do that, I, I I'm sad to confess that you will have actually achieved a true dynasty. If you actually pull off a three-peat, I oh, think yeah. it's an absolute all-time dynasty in hockey. It's yep. it, it, this day and age, it'd be yeah. absolutely incredible. I mean, I, I'm still this Colorado team scares me. And, and look, Rangers, long way to go. Long way to go. Long, long way to go. Very long way to go. All right, we got anything else before we get to the punchable face of the week? Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kujay with a triumphant comeback. But tonight, don't call it a comeback. Hearing none, let's punch someone. Rooster, I think you got somebody. I've got somebody. And I'll tell you, man, this this guy's behavior just makes me appreciate our fantasy football league camaraderie <laughs> that we have. Twelve guys. Great. Twelve guys. It, it, this guy makes us look so mature and level-headed. And we, every time we get together, we laugh and have a good time. I'm talking about Tony Pham, who's 34 um, years old. Tommy Pham, sorry. 34 years old, plays left field for the Reds, and just signed a seven and a half million dollar a year contract to bat 233 
for a shitty team. So you would think that he would really want to, you know, do right by his bosses and toe the line and all that. But no, before a rain delay game recently, he goes out into left field game against the uh, Giants where Jock Peterson is, is warming up. And in front of however many fans they have there, still dumb enough to go to a Reds game, um, <laughs> he slaps Jock Peterson in the face, gets, out, gets taken out of the game before it even happens. It's now suspended for several games. And, I mean, it's like a grown man slapping another grown man in the face out in the outfield. And his, his explanation was that uh, Jock Peterson and he are in the same fantasy football league. And he accused Jock Peterson of stashing players on the injured reserve list in their league, which apparently in their league, that's allowed. And this guy even did it himself. And then his second, his second excuse was Jock Peterson shared in the chat feature of their league, a meme of the Dodgers, Giants, and Padres with the with, that indicated that the Padres couldn't hold the weight up of the pressure of last season. And for that, this guy goes out and slaps the guy in the face. I mean, grow the fuck up, man. I mean, you're making seven and a half million dollars to suck, and you go and <laughs> jeopardize your team, get yourself removed from the lineup for at least three, four, five games. I mean, I'd be furious if I was the owner of that team right now. It's just like the 35, 34 year old guy with a wife and ch- a child behaving like that in front of the fans. It's just at- asinine. Just grow up and he, you, you get a punch in the face, Tommy fam. Yeah. This all Is happened there- like seven months ago. No, no. it's just no. been talked about oh, the every fantasy day. Stuff since- did. The fantasy, the fantasy oh, yeah. stuff was yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. seven yeah. months old. And, and, and his part of his explanation too, was like, he's a big high roller and a lot of money at stake. You know, what kind of money do you think they, who's in this league and how much are they I'd like to having to up. pay to get into it? I mean, good God. But when you're making seven and a half mil, I guess, you know, paying 10 grand to play fantasy but, football, it shouldn't be such a big deal. By the way, you bring this up and making this a punchable face of the week almost guarantees that there is a physical altercation at our next draft. I mean, oh, it yeah. almost guarantees oh, yeah. that some bad shit is going to happen. And, and probably and I, the rate I could of be violence, at the, heart of it. The, rate, the rate of violence in drafts across the country is going to go up this year. I'm not condoning what Tommy fan did, but I understand getting angry at broken rules in a fantasy football league. Cause Chris Nace has done exactly that. No, <laughs> no, 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 oh, no. Untrue. No. That was a uh, ro- retroactive. You, I haven't seen on. any yeah. waffles eaten. Uh, no yeah, waffles eaten by our last place until loser. I see a fucking yeah, but waffle. That rule, that rule was made after the season started. That's right. Uh, that rule was, yeah. That. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next year, whoever loses needs to do whatever we decide, but we need to decide before Ahead we start. Ahead of time. I'm just warning you guys and, now that Craig Kelly has threatened to slap people before for illegal lineups, so it could happen for real this year. <laughs> Watch out, it Doug. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I may have done. All right. Any, any other punchables? No, other I'm, than the French I'm, police and Udonis Haslam. I think we've covered it all. Yeah, that's right. I think we got them all. How about a Ted Lasso? Barbecue sauce. <laughs> Ted 
I have a, it's a serious lasso, but I, I just want to give a shout out uh, to, to the Bay Area coaches who I think this week demonstrated some real profiles in leadership and courage. Um, you know, I, I hope that um, for all of our fans listening to our podcast, it provides some levity and some kind of stressful times that we're all living in right now. And we hope that you guys are just having fun with it all. But I think last week's events uh, down in Uvalde, Texas, really kind of took it way, way beyond everyone's worst nightmare. And I think everybody has reached the tipping point on enough is enough here. And there was a game to be played, a basketball game to be played. And as the coaches have press conferences just before it, Steve Kerr took uh, the stage and said, I'm not talking about basketball tonight. I'm just not. We're going to go out there. We're going to play as good as we can. I, I want to talk now. And he did it obviously deliberately because he knew he had a stage. He knew it would be a viral moment. And his anger was raw. The video went viral. And I don't know that it's going to change anything, but I applaud people when they have a stage and they use it for good. And now his uh, crosstown coach in Major League Baseball, Gabe Kapler, who's always been kind of a thoughtful, kind of wonky, quirky type thinking guy, um, really has been thinking out loud, wrote an essay about kind of here we go again with this issue on the anthem and what it means. And he kind of thought out loud to say, you know, part of that is that everything is all right in our country and everything is not all right. Obviously Um, people are disturbed. People are angry. You know, 18 year olds can get assault rifles and he's causing a stir right now because of how much emotion is evoked from the national anthem. But I think it takes a profile encouraged to get people thinking about what will it take to make a change. And I don't know that it's necessarily a feel good, but I do think it's worth giving a shout out when people who have a stage use it for good. And for me, I, I, I give a lasso to Gabe Kapler and Steve Kerr this week. Well said. Good. Well said. Well said. All right, guys, anybody got anything else? It's you Pope. Pope, wish you were here. We fucked up all the stats. Sorry, man. Yeah, we'll man. Do better next time. Come back next week, Pope. Have a good week, everybody. Right. Good show. Talk to you all soon. See ya. See ya. SMQBs are Brian 
bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michaeler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison-Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.